This is what God said. He made a male, and he called him man. He is the head of the home. He made the woman female. She is the assistant to the head. She's the helper. He made a boy. He calls son. Subject to what? Mom and dad. He made a girl, and we call her a daughter, and she's subject to who? Mom and dad. Then he made roles and functions for the family. We're going to go over it again. The male was called man. He plays uh, different positions. He's a father. Sometimes he's called dad. He's called daddy for the little ones. And he can become a grandpa and he can become a friend. He's the head administrator, provider, caregiver, and he's the wife's sweetheart. Amen. <laughs> then he had the female. Again, she's called woman. She's a mother. She's a mom. She's a mommy. She's a grandma. And she's a friend. She bears children. She's a caregiver. She's a nurturer. She's the head CEO keeper of the home. She's the counselor. She's a doctor. She's a family transportation manager. She's an accountant. And she's a business partner with dad for the home life. She, um, she's the husband's sweetheart. She's a chef. She's an arbitrator. And she's a referee for children. Go ahead, woman. Then the children. The boy is a son. He can be a brother. He can be a grandchild, a nephew, a cousin, and a friend. The daughter, the girl, can be a daughter. She's a sister. She's a grandchild, she's a niece, and what? She's a friend. Society now has taken this, and they have redefined the family as it was, okay? Society has, they should say redefined, but it says defined family. Look what is happening here. I pulled this up on the Internet, and this really, really surprised me because I wanted to see the definition of the family as it's looked at today. Now, remember what God just did, but this is what society has done now. In that first picture, you see it would be to your left. You see two, da two daddies and a child. That's considered, what, a family. In the middle, you have mommy, and you have father, mother, and child, which is the basic plan of God. To the next, you over to the, to, I guess that would be to your right, you would see two mommies and a child, and that's considered a family. Then you go down, you've got two daddies, you've got two mommies, then you've got a single dad, you've got a single mom family, and then look at the, the, the last one. It says Batman on the bottom, and that is a blended family, or whatever you want to put together to make a what? A family. It can be, have you ever seen the show? I, I, I don't, you probably haven't seen it on TV, but something about wives, sister wives, and they've got all these wives and one husband and all these, and one all these. So society has put together what they think God wants it to be, and we are supposed to be what? Accepting of that. I was talking to my daughter, Faith, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the change in society. And she was saying, Mom, you know what? It started in my generation. Well, no, she was born in the 70s. And I said, Faith, no, honey, this started way back in the 60s. And we know sooner, we were talking about it on Saturday, came to church, the cell group, on, on Sunday, and Lynn in cell group was talking about the generational a gap in how all of this happened. In 1960, you have to remember the hippie movement started. It was Woodstock. Now, some of you might not have been born in the 60s, but those of you who were born in the 60s, you, you know what I'm talking about. But as you go down to the 70s and the 80s, you're going to catch up with that. You know what I'm talking about. It was Woodstock weekends and concerts and stadiums. It was free love. It was sleep around anywhere, anybody. Anything goes, live-ins, moral, our morals started to decline. 
do you um do your own thing was was a great thing you do your own thing or it's your thing do you remember that okay do what you want to do then alcoholism set in then we had long hair beards for boys and men and then all of a sudden you had the protests of the Vietnam war and people leaving the United States going to Canada to dodge the draft. Then you had the LSD, the drugs started moving in, and then you had the heroin, and then you had pot. And we used to think pots was pots that we cooked in, but it became what? A drug, okay? And slowly, as you go into the, to the 80s, you had the what? The crack. Then you had tore up jeans, then you had dressed down everything, and then you had beltless pants. So when you see these young people walking around with their pants drooping, that was way back in the 60s. And they used to be sent home from school for not having a belt because when the guys didn't have the belt, the pants would what? Droop. Okay. Then it was the music. It was the Beatles. It was Ike and Tina Turner, Motown. And then Frank Sinatra jumped in here and he said, I did it my way. And then it was hard what? Rock. All right. Women's rights protecting started to protest. And women what? They started to say that it was it was not the right thing for a woman to, to be at home, to be the mother at home. As this progressed, all of these different things progressed, you know what? We started to decline morally. Mothers need a career, the women's movement said. Rebellion against law. Single moms started to increase. Martin Luther King started to march. All of these different things started, and you could slowly see that we bought into all of that. And you know, today something new comes out, and before you realize, if you don't put it to the side and this is not of God, you will slowly buy into it. I was talking to my daughter, Faith, uh, about this new class, last class she took at Akron U, and one of the classes was talking about, you do not teach your children their gender. They have to figure it out. You don't tell a boy he's a boy or a girl she's a girl. They will eventually grow and what? And they will define themselves. So do you see how it is? I looked up. Back in, uh, I was looking on the Internet also, and I looked up single families. Because if you don't have the family unit that God has for us to have, you have the father, the mother, and children. Each one of them has a role. The father is what? The authoritarian. He's the overseer. And then the mother comes along, and she compliments him by being the helper, the nurturer. She is the person that gives, that takes, that, that, that takes the, the total ram of the household. And then you have the children to come up under the authority. With the single moms coming into action, I looked up on the Internet for in the year of 2003, there was 1,415,955 babies born out of wedlock to mothers in the United States. 1,415,955 babies. Now, whether the fathers are in their lives or not, it did not say. But you know what? Each child, as it grows, needs a part of whatever God gave to the mom and gave to the dad. As the, child, as the daughter grows, daddy's the first love. As the son grows, mom also takes on the image. The, the daughter sees what the father does, and she says, you know what, this is the way a man should treat, should treat a woman. The son sees how... The also, the father treats the mom, and the mom treats the dad, and in between, then he learns what his role is. Then I looked it up for, I thought, if this was in 203, all right, let's look 13 years from now to what? 216, what is it like? And it said that it is 10 million single moms leading families. This is U.S. Census three times 
as much as that was in the 60s. 10 million single moms are running a family. And then we, un- we, we look and we say, what's happening to our kids? The priority has what? Has slid away. Then it says, the decline of the family was formulated and influenced by the devil, Satan himself. The decline of the family was formulated and influenced by the devil, Satan himself, trying to pull the people away from the Lord and trying to destroy the family life as God had intended it to be. Sadly, it worked. And it's still working because what? We look at it and we have unchurched people and they're not teaching their children and it's slowly drifting away. Then woman's rights is still in movement in our mind. It started drawing mothers and grandmothers out of the workforce, out into the workforce, which was given mothers what? They said mothers uh, needed worth and meaning. It wasn't worth and meaning to be in the household. And by, uh, it says, which was uh, given to the, uh, the mother's meaning and worth, being at a stay-home uh, being as a stay-at-home mom was deemed to be totally unimportant. Eventually, daycare started to replace what? Mom. You know what? I work uh, with my daughter at her daycare, and we have, uh, over the baby center, we have babies from six weeks to 24 months. We have babies that come into that center at 7 in the morning, and they leave out at 6 in the evening. They have been with us 11 hours, five days a week. And the parents only have them when? On the weekend. How much nurturing? How much bonding? How much love? How much direction are those kids getting? And that's why I tell the staff it's so important that you be loving, that you be kind, that you be nurturing, and you'll see these kids start to bond to each person, different people. And you know what? They're bonding to their parents, but they're also bonding to us. But the Lord, as I look at it, and it gets on my heart, I know that God has me there, and I think, Lord, what is going to happen to us? And God has said, there's a remnant out there. There's a remnant out there, and there's still people that want to do it my way. And so we're going to look at Proverbs 31. Everybody should have a sheet. And you know what? When I first read this Proverbs, I thought, this lady, boy, she is just a worker. And I can't do all this stuff that she does or whatever. But you know what? After reading the Proverbs over and over again, the Lord showed me it wasn't so much a work It was the woman's heart. It was her heart. So we're going to look at Proverbs 31. Everybody have their sheet. It says, who can find a virtuous or capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust in her, and she she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busy and busily spins it. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn, uh, uh, dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her, um, her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants uh, a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure that her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fibers. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arm to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warmed what? Clothes. She makes her own bed bedspreads. I don't know if anybody sews now. Okay. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known in the city gates where he sits with the other civic 
where she he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belt, uh, belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She clothed with she is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her, her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you suppress, surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is not, uh, does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. I read that and read that, and I thought, Lord, this woman does everything. She's all over the place. But the key to this woman is verse 30. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be what? Praise is the fear of the Lord. You know, ladies, look at that. You are unique. God has made us such a precious value. You know what? We can multitask. We can do all kinds of things. And to be a mother is a blessing. And sometimes people say, I don't have any kids. I'm not a mother. Have you nurtured somebody? Have you talked to somebody? Your grandmothers, you can nurture. You can talk. Okay, it says, so we're going to look at this. We're going to see how this lady became a virtuous woman. The virtuous woman was a mom. She was a grandma, and she was probably an auntie, and she was a friend. But as we read the, as we read the scriptures today, we could see that she was a strong woman of character. She was respectful. She was reasonable. She, had, she was honest hardworking, wise, kind, faithful, high standards, dedicated to the task. It says that she worked with fervor, trustworthy. Her husband trusted her. Morally what? Moral values, high standards. She was capable, and you know what? She was giving. Her life is patterned after God's what? Design. Her heart is given over to what? Pleasing the Lord. Her life's goal was to honor him. And that was the key to this whole scripture. As I looked at that, and I looked up in a commentary, and it said that to fear God is to honor him and to what? Is to what? Want to please him. Ladies, look at yourselves. You are a virtuous woman. I used to think you couldn't obtain that, but you can. Because if you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, and your heart is to please God Almighty, you are a virtuous woman. It isn't so much what she did, because God is the one who gave her the strength and the wisdom to do these things. It was her heart toward him that made what? The blessing come. And it says here that her goal in life was to what? Honor him. Okay. What does it mean to fear God? We're going to look at that. Having a heart. It says having a heart to really know him. Sometimes, you know what? If we go by our feelings, we think, Lord, where are you? Lord, I need you. But you know what? It's not about feelings. It's about knowing that God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I love you with an everlasting love. And he said, I'll be with you. And so it's, Lord, I want to know more of you. I know this much, but I want to know more of you, Lord. 
And you know what? It's reverencing him. You know, respecting him. And it's what? Making him the priority of your life. And you know, I'm so tired. I can't do this. I can't go to Bible study Wednesday. Uh, uh, but what? Let's do it. You're the priority. I need to what? Learn about you. I need to feed on your word. I need to put more in my life so I'll be stronger for you and be yielded to you. It's honoring him daily. The thing of it is, is when we go by our feelings, is because we don't practice his presence. Do you get up in the morning thinking God is watching you and God is with you? Do you go get in your car and you think God is with you? Do you go to your job and you think God is with you? The thing of it is, we don't practice him. We thought we left him at home. He's with us always. And Lord, what am I doing? What am I saying? Where am I going? Am I pleasing you? It's not about other people. It's about what? You. And her heart was bent on what? Pleasing the Lord. It says, desiring to do what he wants you to do daily. And asking him, Lord, How do you want to use me? You know what? It's rough out here. How do you want to use me? And where what? Where do you want me to go? When Pastor got ready to go to school, I thought, moving to Georgia. And yes, that's where he wanted me to go. Okay? We had three children. And I thought, Lord, what are we going to do down there? We're going to starve. He's going to school. No. (laughs) He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And she held him in high esteem. He was her health. He was her strength. He was her wisdom. Remember, she said she she talked and instructed with wisdom and kindness. Everything she was able to accomplish was due to her walk with the Lord. If you are a woman in Christ today seeking to do his will and to please him, You are a virtuous woman. How did this woman get to learn how to fear God? You know what? They did not have the Bible like we did. They had the stories of how God had delivered them out of uh, of, um, uh, uh, Egypt, going into the promised land. But one thing in that day, in that age, they had mothers They had grandmothers. They had ladies in the community that would come around, and they were living the life. And so they automatically, you know, it says take a village to raise children. Well, they had villages raising the kids. Where we're so splintered right now, we don't have that close bond like we used to. And it said that maybe the grandmother influenced and the community of uh, uh, the community people influenced. And so as each one, the mother taught the children how to live for the Lord, then those children were to teach their children. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at chapter 6, and I'm going to read you what she taught. Okay, as soon as I get my glasses on. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 says, These are the commandment, decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you were crossing, uh, crossing, to, crossing the Jordan to possess. Verse 2, So that you, your children, their children, so that you, your children, and their children. Where we're lacking now is that you teach your children, then their children teach their children, then their children teach their children, then their children has teach, should teach their children, but there's been a gap, and the teaching has stopped. Okay? So look what it says. It says, so that you can, so that you, your children and their children, after them, that you would teach them that they may fear the Lord your God as long as they live by keeping all the decrees and commandments that I give you, and so that you may enjoy, what? Long life. Jump down to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord your God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord. This is what you're going to teach him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. What does that look like? Then in 6 it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Impressing them upon your children is what? Teaching them. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and your gates. Now, he says, love the Lord, your God, with what? All your heart and with all your strength. Lord, I am yours. And Lord, teach me how to love you. Because sometimes we really don't know how to love him. How do I love God with all my heart, all my strength? Lord, show me. And then it says, these are the commandments that what we're to place in our heart and we're to teach them to our children. Then it says, impress them upon your children's heart. That means that you are to teach them. Then he tells you how to do it, when to do it. Teach them when what? You're, you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, when you're lying down. One of the things that pastor does with our grandkids and you know what, grandmothers, you have a good influence. You have a, you don't, you know, grandkids are the best kids in the world. You don't have to raise them. You just come alongside those parents and you can do all kinds of things that they might not do. Because they'll tell you, you didn't do that with me. I had to raise you. So, but with grandkids, with grandkids, you can do those extra things. And you know what pastor does with our kids? He goes up. The kids can't wait till he comes to Pennsylvania because he takes them for walks. And they look at nature. They talk about God. They do all kinds of things. With our kids at home, on Saturday mornings, we usually had breakfast. And a pastor would sit, and he'd just let them talk. And some of the things that the kids would say, in my mind, I would say, that is so silly. But then he would sit and he would listen and he'd say, well, what do you think God would say about that? What do you think God would do about that? And it's talking and it's ongoing. You don't have to sit down and point your finger. God said this and that and the other. Then it was family devotions. Then it was family prayer. And you have to key those in. But you got to think about something else. You can do all this, you can say all this, but what are those kids doing? More things are caught than taught. They're watching you. And you know what? If you are not doing what you said in the teaching, what? They're not going to believe you. And so he says to tie them on your hand. How many of you have ever seen the advertisement of a string tied around a finger? And that string tied around the finger is a reminder of something. And God says, tie them around your string and remind them that I am God Almighty. Then he says here, bind them on your head. You know what? People go around with all kinds of tattoos. You can put something on your head to remind you about God. (laughs) Then it says, write them on your door frame. This man down the street, I never forget this. And he lives on the corner here of Diagonal and East. He used to have on his garage, for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. So when he went in and he came out, that was always what? Before him. What do you have in your house that says, you know what, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? Or something reminding you and your children that what? God is the priority. And he says what? She taught them in all of this after, as they were to be taught, the mother also taught them what? The children how to love. In that action, she taught them because God said we are to love. She put love in action. They saw it. How did they see it? Through her walk. She taught them wisdom. How did they see it? Through her what? 
actions and her walk. She taught them honesty of what should be taught by what? Her actions. Value to work by what? Her actions. How to care for a family and others by what? Her actions. How to share by what? Their actions. More things are taught, are caught, than taught. It says everything you do when you are when you are raising your kids when they are small, everything you do, moms, they think it is right. Everything you say, they think it is right. That's why we have sometimes, not all, but a few, we've got some two- and three-year-olds in the daycare that can cuss. And you know something? They've heard it. They've heard it from mom or whoever, and whatever they heard, because it's an adult, they think it is what? Right. And you talk to the parents, and they say, oh, my goodness, I don't know where they got that from. Okay. All right. Let's look. Let's look at the style of the, um, uh, of the virtuous woman. I'm going to read off some of the things that they actually had to do in her work. As I looked this up, I thought, Lord, have mercy. She had to, these were her duties not only, and this is kind of defining uh, her duties as a, day, uh, as a weekly or maybe monthly duty. She had to grind her flour. She bought, she, uh, bought water in. She washed her clothes on rocks at the river or the uh, waterway. She built fires to cook. She helped dress killed meat. She helped dress killed meat. And I thought, you know what, I'm doing good to get in Acme and pull that meat out. Okay? Cooked all meals and cleaned up all, all behind her meals. She planted a garden and a vineyard. Overseas, she oversaw her servants, workers, if she had them. Helped clean her house, maybe one to three rooms. She made clothing for uh, she made clothing for her and her household and others. She light um, she had to uh, light in her house by ga- uh, oil lamps. She had to get, bring the oil in. Walking maybe daily to the market for food. We have cars. Went to church with the family and made time for her husband, and her family. She had to be a good planner, and she had to be a good organizer. Her desire had to be diligent in her work and in running her household. Now, we don't have that. I could not, as I thought about she's dressing meat, if Gus bought a deer in, I wouldn't know what to do with him. Okay? So she had to... She had to know all of these things, and she had to what? She had to be a good planner. Looking at all the things she had to do, it said that over her, uh, she was the overseer of her household. So she was looking at what she needed to do in her household. We as mothers, when we get up um, weekly, we should know. Uh, uh, Exactly, not always exactly, but how our household is going to go. Oops. Oops. It still won't come. Come help me. (laughs) Okay. We can plan. But it always doesn't work out, but you should have some kind of plan and some kind of organization to running of your household. I want to get to this picture next. Uh, household and the running of your household. No, no, no. That's not the one. Okay. That one. Okay. If you can get it, fine. All right. But it doesn't always work. Okay? Okay. It doesn't always work, but you should have some kind of plan. And as this lady planned and she organized, then, did it come? 
Okay. As she organized, that is the way she would organize to see how well her family was going, uh, the needs uh, to make the needs of her family. Oversee, she was the overseer of her household. She planned her work daily for her servant girls. You know what? We might not have servant girls, and we might not have uh, um, uh, girls that are coming in the house to help us, but you know what? The Lord showed me that we do have servants. She didn't have what we have. We have gas stoves and electric stoves, and when we push those buttons or turn those knobs, we what? We can cook. That's if you pay your bill. You got blenders, you got irons, you've got garden tillers, you got washer and dryers, which she didn't. She had to go to the stream and she had to beat them on the rocks. Just imagine us beating them on the rocks, okay? We've got fabric as she would wind and she would, she would knit and she would twill to make her fabric. We've got fabric that we wash the clothes, we take them out, put them in the dryer, and when we take them out of the dryer, we can just fold them, put them away, or either hang them on a hanger and put them, what, in a closet. So we had things to go much faster. We've got running water. She had to bring the water in. Microwaves. We got microwaves, put that food in, and it's out. We've got crock pots, go to work, come back, and it's ready. We've got lights, we've got cars, we've got coffee pots, we've got dishwashers, thank the Lord, sweepers, bathtubs, showers, indoor toilets, refrigerators that what? That keeps our food. We've got mixers, we've got the internet, we've got cell phones, we've got iPads. Restaurants, fast food. These devices help us quickly, what? Do our work. So, if she had to spend all day, and the way I think she did it because it says she stayed up late at night, her family was the priority of the day. And her business and things that she did in selling the sashes and stuff was what? in the evening because she worked into the night. But her family was taken care of. And you know what? I look at the the quickness of the things that we have, and, um, and I say to myself, we should have more time than her. Even though we have jobs outside the home, if we what? Plan. Now, do you have this lady? Okay, this lady hasn't come up, but I want you all to see this lady. Okay. This lady also, she was a good planner. She was a businesswoman. She did trading uh, with uh, the uh, inside traders in, in the marketplace because, remember, she made garments and she sold. She, sold, um, she uh, would uh, uh, do her garden, and she had time to do that. Maybe she had the girls, her maids, and her, and, and her workers to do that, but she oversaw it. Then she what? considered a field, and she bought it. Her husband could trust her to do that, consider a field. So she was a businesswoman, and what? She what? She had good judgment. We might not be buying a field, but when we go to the store, we consider the prices of the dresses that we buy, and we consider how much money is coming in our household, and we should be what? busy about making sure that we don't what overdo. Credit card out, whatever. But we have good judgment in that area. Okay? And then with the big things, probably you and your husband when you purchase a home or purchase land, you've already got together on the price and what needs to be done. So the man says, Okay, you go do it. And he's able to trust her to be able to do that. Okay. As we go shopping for the best prices of things and material. She was a community worker. And what in the community, she gave what? Some of the things probably out of her garden, out of her vineyard, things that she made to the poor. We are community workers also. We give to the mission. We give to the, the shelters. We have things and people that are less fortunate. And we find and we give. You can find time to do that. 
Then it says she worked vigorously. To get all the things done that she did, she had to work what? Vigorously. Vigorously doesn't mean... You know what? I'm going to tell you. Things can sidetrack us. A couple weeks ago, God showed me something. I came in. And I said, I'm going to sit down and look at the 6.30 news, 6.30 news to 7. And before I realized it was the 6.30 news, then it was the, another program, then it was another program. And when I came to my senses, it was quarter of nine. And I thought, Lord, you know what? We can be waylaid and we can be what? distracted with many things and I knew I had to get up and go to work so I had to get up go clean up the dishes and I had to get my stuff ready for work and usually I get in we eat clean up the dishes uh, get stuff ready for work and then have time to do other things so before long I jumped in the bed then it says but you know what it says her lamp burned late Daytime was for the family, husband, marketing, and business work in the evening. But the evening was what? The work time. You choose the pace, what pace you are going to work each day. You choose what you're going to do every day. Some things come in that you never interjected, but you know what? You choose how you're going to handle them. Then it says that she was a family. She was a family mom, and she was available to her children. And I'm going to speed this up. It says she would get up early in the morning. I don't know if I can get these pictures or not. They're not coming up. Okay. Anyways, I had a picture of a mother, and it reminded me so much of when I bought Tyler home from the hospital. My prayer was, Lord, help me keep this child alive. I did not know really how to do children, even though I'm from a family of five girls and six boys. They were all grown, and we didn't pay too much attention. Okay, not that one. Okay. No, grown, and not paid so much attention. And one day, my mom came over. Tyler had been crying all night long. I had got up. I was tired, and she was crying all day long. I called my mother about 5.30, quarter to 6. And I, and I told her, I said, Mom, you've got to come over here and do something with this baby. And so when she came over, she, I was crying. The baby was crying. And she said, all right, she was trying to comfort me. She's trying to comfort the baby. And then finally she looked at me and said, you shut up. And I thought, oh, you know. And she said, you can shut up, but she's going to cry. And my mother took Tyler, and she started hugging her, and she started embracing her. And she said, we're going to give her a warm bath. She gave her a warm bath. She lotioned her down fixed her a bottle, and they could give you a little bit of paregoric back then. She gave her a little bit of that. She drank the bottle, and she went to bed. And at 8 o'clock, she told me, now, you go to bed so you can be rested. When she gets up, you'll be ready for her. And you know what? My mom taught me so much. It didn't work? Okay. My mom taught me so much. Then... She was a mother. Okay, I wanted you to see these pictures, but it's okay. It says that it said that she speaks. Uh, we're going to talk about her with her children and how she trained her children. These are the things she taught her children. She taught them how to work. She, she taught them how to love. She talked, uh, taught them how to give to the community. They saw the order of kind, orderliness in their home. They saw kindness. They learned to love God and each other from example. Never lacked in anything because mom was there to be there. And you know what? I looked at that lady and I thought, she's not working an eight-hour job outside of her home. But you know what? She really was working. But it was a different type of work. 
I work an eight-hour job and come home, and then I, I do the work. But I have to work all the things I need to do for my family around that job. And what? She added to that family. You didn't see that. Where she made earnings and she bought it into that family and she added to that family. She was a part of that what? That family. It says here, never lacking. They never lacked anything. She ran, she, they saw her, their mom run the household. Children watch mom, love dad. It's important that your children see that you love your husband or you love their grandpa. It's important for your children to see the father love the mother. How are you going to teach them love and relationship unless what? They see that. Unfortunately, that's not always the way it is now with the single mom and the single dad. But God can still bring other people along inside of those relationships and they can be positive forces in those children's relationship to teach them how to be able to love that mother or to love that father. And then sometimes you say, what does that mean? Oh, all right, all right, I'm going. Let me finish up this. Okay, sometimes you say, but my mom was a mean mom. She wasn't a good mom. But look back. You know what? There was some place in your life that God put a positive woman in your life. There's a young girl at the daycare. A couple weeks ago, her and I talked for about an hour, and she was upset because she was in foster care for, what, 10 years. And she said, and Easter was not a good day because I wasn't with no family, and then I was with my mom, and then she tried to kiss my kids, and I wouldn't let her, and da-da-da. And I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I said, but what happened? She let us be in foster care for 10 years. And how was your foster care? Okay. I said, what did you learn from your foster care? Oh, it was all right. But, but I ain't going to let her kiss on me and try to be a part of my family now. Why not? I said, what happened to your mom? She was an alcoholic, and she was on crack cocaine, and she was in and out of, out of what? Rehabs. I said, so now why do you want to hold yourself hostage? Why do you want to hold her hostage when she couldn't help herself, much less what? You. And she said, oh, I didn't look at it like that. I said, but you know what? You got an opportunity. You got an opportunity to kind of what? Make up a little bit and ask for God's help and God's strength that maybe you can help your mom and you can, your kids will know that that's their grandma. Something can happen there. Then in this it said, they saw unity in marriage, a marriage relationship. It's good for, for children to see mom and dad love each other. It says mom was there for them. Okay? They saw purpose and direction. And what? They watched over her seeing the whole household and how she organized and how she put everything together. And God was the priority in all of this stuff as she did it. This particular, oops, that's not the right one, but this, okay. Keep your eye on that and we'll get to that. It says that she watches over. Children then ended up rising up and calling her blessed. Now this is the one I want to stress is, that husbands, her husband had respect. And what? She was a priority. And he was the priority and she was the priority. It said that he had confidence and trust. She will, what? Rich, enrich his life. He had confidence and trust in her that she would enrich his life. They made time for each other. They looked out, she looked out for him, he looked out for her. They what? They helped each other. And it says also in verse 12, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Sometimes I think men think their wives are enemies. She's out to get me and get my money. Hello? She was a part of that household. She bought money in. She helped. And you know something? 
because God taught her how to love, she knew how to love her husband. She studied her husband. She was there for her husband. She was a confidant for her husband. She looked out for her husband, and he looked out for her. Then in this whole thing, as we look at the uh, virtuous woman, do you know it never once told you what she looked like? It told you what she did, but it never said what she looked like. She was not fearful. It says that in verse 25, she laughed without fear, so she had humor. And in 26, I love it, kindness and wisdom, not a bunch of foolishness. Kindness and wisdom was on her tongue as she directed and instructed her children and as she interacted with her maidservants and as she interacted with her husband. It says, it never tells what this woman looked like. Was she tall? Was she thin? Was she chunky? We'll get off of that. Plain, fair, beautiful? Did she have long hair? Did she have short hair? Was she brunette? Was she blonde? Was she gray-headed? If she got her hair, nails, and toes done weekly, because in the young parents these days, that's important to them, that their priority is getting their nails, their hair, and their toes done, and the kids are, get out of here, sit down. It never told her nationality. And it told in, in verse 30, it said that charm is deceptive and beauty doesn't last. But what? It told you this. But a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. Her children praised her. Her husband praised her. He saw value in her. He saw her as his completion. He saw her as somebody that loved him, that was considerate. You know what? Anybody can say something good to you. And you say, thank you, thank you. But when your husband comes and said, you know what, that was a good meal. When your husband comes and said, you know, that dress looks good. When your husband comes and said, you know what, I kind of like that. That is more embracing to you than a thousand compliments from anybody else. Because it came from who? Your husband. It says the key to this woman's motivation, and I want you to remember this, is she lived to please the Lord. She lived to please the Lord. And that was her motivation in life. So if you're a married mom, a single mom, a grandma, an auntie, a blended mom, what does your heart look like toward God? Where's your heart? If it is rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, Remember today I said, you are a what? Virtuous woman. This picture right here shows what the world, think we can, the world thinks we are. And we think that we can do everything, and we're about everything, and we are supposed to be the super moms. You can be the super mom. If you have your priorities right and Jesus Christ is your priority. You know, she's doing a lot of things, isn't she? She has a lot of arms. Remember I told you that we can what? Multitask? We can think probably out of both sides of our brain because of how God made us, okay? Let's see if I can get the other one in. Nope. Okay. But... I want you to see this. It says here, hearts are for the Lord. God's plan for the family was for God, for the, for the family was for the father, the mother, and the children to walk with him, develop as a personal relationship, develop a personal relationship with him, honor and glorify God and the father, to love him, to serve him, to raise the children, to know him, serve and to help each other and the community, to use their gifts, talents, and abilities he gave them for his honor and for his glory in whatever he would have them to do. Ladies, I put this picture up here because this depicts everybody. And it says, ladies, 
We are great of a great wealth, and we are valuable. I want you to know that. Your life is not hid in a man. I tell that to the young girls when I do Bible study down at the mission because they're always about the guy, the guy, the guy. Your life is hid in Christ. And because your life is hid in Christ, then that love that Christ gives you for that man just connects the two of you together. If you do not love each other, whose fault is it? It's yours. Because God gives you what you need to be able to love that mate and that mate to love you. You have to choose to do it. We can multicast and we can do many things. A woman is part of the most precious creation the Lord made and bought to the man. Remember God made the man from the dirt and then he made the woman from the rib and he fashioned her in the Greek. It said he fashioned her to fit him. And you know what? That's good. And then it says, and told, and it made, uh, made the Lord made the man, for the, uh, the woman for the man. And to tell the truth, ladies, I want you to think about this. I don't care what the men say. They can't do without us. They really can't. They say they can, but they can't. They wouldn't even be here if it wasn't us. Okay? The woman... The women's pictures, <laughs> the woman's pictures, it says, ladies, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, he has empowered you to be all you can be for his honor and for his glory. If you fix your heart on pleasing the Lord, you are what? A virtuous woman. Let me hear you say that. I am a virtuous woman. Why? Because our heart is fixed on pleasing who? The Lord. It's not about also what you do. Because God entails you to do that. And you know what to do as what? An overseer of a household. But it's about what? Who you serve. And it's up to you. And that's the priority. I had some cute little pictures that I was going to show you. Maybe we'll do it another time. But I want you to remember that a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. And one thing that blesses my heart, and I'm going to tell you this as I close. I remember, I think Faith was in her junior year at Liberty University. And one night about 11.30, she called Pastor and I. And she said, Mom, and I thought, oh, oh, something's wrong. And she said, Mom, I just want to, Tell you and dad, I thank you. I thank you for the way you raised us. And you know something? They had been in the student lounge and a bunch of the students had been sitting around and they had been talking about what their lives were and how they were raised. And Faith, for the first time, realized how fortunate she was to have a godly father and a godly mother. And she wanted us to know. Your children will rise up if you take the time and be available. And you know what? If you miss the mark, God will give you another chance. Your grandchildren, if they see how grandma loves grandpa and grandpa loves grandma, And you know what? And then your children, as you go on, even though you might have missed a mark, you can interject little things, little things. They'll come to you, and you can interject there. Then you can pray for them, that God will, you know, Lord, they didn't see this, but Lord, let them see this. You have the power to change people's lives through prayer. And it says here that a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to give you thanks and praise. And Lord, sometimes we plan things and they don't always come out, but Lord, you're in the midst of it. And I thank you. You are so faithful. And Lord, you take away fear, you take away doubt, and we want to put you on display. Thank you for all that you've done and thank you for all that you're doing for us. 
Help us as women to be all that we can be for you. May our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, anybody that we come in contact, see Jesus in us. Put us on display, Lord. Use us for your glory as you soon will be returning. May we come forth and stand before you and you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we love you. We just worship you, Lord. We give you thanks. You're a good God. You're a merciful God. Bless this time we've been together, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.